We continue our communion series through Psalm 103. So we open the scriptures to that psalm. We will focus this morning on verse 12. We will read the entire psalm together. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall, be no, shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Once again, I call your attention to verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Is there something or someone that you really want to get away from. To put distance between you and it because of the effect it has upon you or the strain that it brings into your life. Likely as we answer that question in our own minds, all of us can come up with something Perhaps something that's hurt us. Perhaps something that is the occasion for great stress in our lives and we just need to get away. 
Perhaps there's an individual in our lives that is very difficult to deal with, or a very hard family situation, and at times we feel we just want to get away. Is there something in your life that you desperately want taken away? Sickness? Trial? Hardship? As much as we might want those things, the Word of God comes to us this morning something far better than getting away from any of those things or having any of those things taken away. The Word of God this morning addresses that which hurts us the most. That which grieves the child of God the most. That which causes the greatest stress, the most numerous tears, that which weighs upon the soul the heaviest, are sins against God. Offenses against His Most High Majesty, Evil which makes the one who commits it worthy of everlasting separation from God, punishment, sin. And the psalmist, here in Psalm 103, exclaims with joy, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath Our God removed our transgressions from us. That thing which hurts the most, that thing which grieves the most, that burden which weighs the heaviest, that which would otherwise cause us to perish. God removes, takes away. That's the blessed word of the gospel that comes to us this morning. And that's the blessed word of the gospel that is visibly pictured for us here in the Lord's Supper. For that is what Jesus has accomplished for us through his death on the cross. Verse 11 of Psalm 103, we see the vastness of God's mercy. God's mercy is immeasurable. It's so vast that it's it's greater than the highest heavens. Now in our text this morning, we're going to look at a beautiful facet of that vast mercy. God's forgiveness. How great that forgiveness is. His forgiveness is so great that it is able to take our sins. That massive pile of sins. As heavy and great as those sins are. And remove it from us. And remove it so far that it is taken away as far as the east is from us. The West. That's the word that really gives comfort, that lifts the soul, gives peace and joy, even amidst all of those other things that we might want to have taken away, those other things that burden us. Having this, the removal of our sins, we have joy and peace. Let's reflect on this text for a few moments this morning as we prepare to come to the Lord's table. Psalm 103 verse 12, our theme is removed. 
as far as east is from from west. First, we will look at what is removed, then answer the question, how far? And finally, how can it be? The text bids us to call to mind our transgressions. And after a week of self-examination, we should all be able to come up with something very specific as the text calls us to think upon our transgressions. Our transgressions are our sins. Those thoughts, those words, those deeds, those desires, those impulses of our human nature, which transgress, that is, which overstep the boundaries, the line of God's law. Those thoughts, words, deeds, and desires which miss the mark of God's glory. Our transgressions, the psalmist says. And make that personal pronoun, our, personal. The word our in the text requires that we leave the realm of vague and general thinking about sin and enter into the realm of the concrete the specific, the personal. The text is here reaching into your life, reaching into your heart, and putting its finger on your sins, my transgressions. That's what we must be thinking about here. The text calls us to own our sins. When I love pleasure more than I love my God, When I give my allegiance to something other than my rightful Lord. When I have tepid feelings about coming to the house of the Lord. When I have disregard for my neighbor because I don't really care about him at a time in my life. Or I put myself first and seek myself and my neighbor is in my way and so I want my neighbor removed. That lustful look, or sustained stare, that careless gossip that I spread because it was so fun at that moment, that lie that I spoke to save face in front of other people, that impatience with my spouse who wasn't giving me what I wanted when I wanted it, on and on. Our transgressions. Transgressions Plural, the text says, not a transgression, but transgressions, because the text requires that we recognize we have a whole lot of them, a great pile of them. You go through the Ten Commandments, and the spiritually minded Christian will confess, unless he is willfully blind, he will confess, I've broken every single one of these commandments in the week gone by, even the day gone by. How many How great. Perhaps my sins of youth come back to haunt me. Perhaps the sins of right now loom large before my mind. Besetting sins, presumptuous sins, my sins of omission, my sins of commission. All of which are transgressions. That word transgressions in the text carries especially the connotation of rebellion. And that's worth Noticing that word reveals to us something about the nature of sin. The character of sin is that it is rebellious. 
It is insurrectionist. It is revolutionary against God. That's the seriousness of sin. Sin, even if we look at it as a little slip up, is a revolutionary, rebellious, insurrectionist act against the most high majesty of God. At the heart of sin is my desire to overthrow the rule of God in my life at this moment or in this area. That's the nature of sin. Sin looks to God and says, no, not your way, my way. I will sit on the throne right now. Transgressions. Now for the regenerated believer, for the one who knows Jesus Christ by a living faith, authored in his or her heart by the Holy Spirit, nothing is more terrible, nothing is more miserable, nothing is more weighty, nothing is worse. My transgressions. Is that true for you this morning? Do you acknowledge that, beloved? Not just the general reality of sin, which most of mankind will acknowledge that there is such a thing as evil out there somewhere, and that people do bad things, and that maybe I sometimes mess up. But do we acknowledge the reality of what sin is, and acknowledge what the text calls us to acknowledge? My transgressions, specifically, and all of their number. And that these transgressions are against God. Psalmist David knew that, experienced that. Think of his 51st Psalm where he says in verse 4, Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That's the grief. That's the sorrow of the true believer as he or she looks at his or her sins and with the eyes of faith perceives sin for what it is and stops minimizing it, stops excusing it. Against thee, thee only have I sinned. And because it's against thee, that's why it's called evil, done this evil in thy sight. That weight, that weight Sin is a weight we can't shift of ourselves. That stain of guilt is something we can't wipe away. That shame that sticks to us as sinners is something we can't unstick. Our transgressions. But you notice in the text, you notice our transgressions comes at the end of the verse. That's not the focus here. Though we must see them. That's the starting point. The focus of our text this morning is a wonderful message. It's the good news of the gospel. God removes transgressions. He removes our transgressions from us. And let all of those words Impress themselves on your mind. Those transgressions that you just brought to your mind and with the eyes of faith saw the seriousness of them. Your transgressions God removes from you. He takes them away. 
The message of the text is, as far as east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And just reading that, hearing that, you see this is not just a bland statement of fact. It is a statement of fact, but there's emotion, there's heartfelt passion that reverberates throughout these words. David, as a forgiven sinner, exclaims these words. He knows it to be true for himself. And this is one of the reasons why he begins the psalm the way he does. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's what the believer must sing when the believer understands and experiences the reality of our text. That my transgressions are removed. 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 That word in the Hebrew tongue means literally To put distance between. The idea is God interposing great distance between you and your sins. So that they're far away now. They're removed. He sends them away. He puts them away from you. Your sins are removed. Beloved, believing people of God. Now understand... Now, when the text says our sins are removed, the text is not teaching us that we're not sinners anymore. We still have that indwelling sin within us. And though it is true, and this is a very important truth, that the saving work of Christ has, in a decisive way, removed our sin and that it has broken the dominion and the power of sin so that we are no longer slaves of sin, but we are the servants of God, Yet, as long as we live in this earthly life, we have that sinful flesh that still remains with us that we must battle with until the day of our death when at last that old man is fully, finally removed. But what the text is especially focusing on here when it speaks of our transgressions being removed is the text is focusing on the guilt of our sins. That is, our liability to suffer punishment on account of breaking God's law. It's speaking of the shame of our sin, the punishment that our sin deserves. When the text says our sins are removed, it's saying your guilt is taken away, your shame is removed, and the punishment that your sins merited for you is taken away, taken away. That heavy burden that you cannot shift, God, the Almighty, shifts it. And he doesn't just shift it, shifts it, he takes it away. That stain of guilt that you cannot wipe away, no matter how hard you try, no matter how many good works, deeds of faithfulness, acts of love you take, you can't scrub that stain of guilt away. God removes it. The only cleansing agent that can remove the stain of sin, the blood of Christ. That shame, that shame that sticks to us as sinners. God unsticks it and takes it away. He removes, he removes our sin and he's the only one who can. He's the only one who can. Really what our text is describing, beloved, is that crown jewel among all 
of the beautiful blessings of salvation, namely the forgiveness of sins. Pardon for sin. The text is describing forgiveness, removal of transgression, removal of the guilt, the shame, and the punishment of sin is forgiveness. Now there are two important parts of God's forgiveness that I want to highlight here. First, forgiveness, the removal of transgression means this, that God graciously doesn't hold your sins against you. That's what forgiveness means. We can understand that from our own experience, often because we wrestle with this. When someone has sinned against me, and that person confesses their sin, my calling is to forgive them. And One of the main parts of that forgiveness is that I don't hold that sin against them anymore. I no longer regard it as a debt that they must pay back. And as a sinful people, we're often slow to forgive in that way. But God, God forgives. And when God forgives, He doesn't hold your sin against you. We've done wrong. And that wrong must be made right. We've transgressed the law. We ought to pay for it. If he were to hold our sin against us, that would mean he would lay it to our charge. We would be reckoned guilty and therefore condemned before his most holy law. And the wages of sin, which is death, would rightly and have to be executed against us. But in forgiveness, God declares. He makes a judicial judgment concerning us and he says, I don't hold it against you. I don't hold you responsible to pay the debt of your sin. I do not hold you as obligated to suffer for your sins. I release you from those chains of guilt and send your guilt away. That's what the Bible means when it speaks about God remembering our sins no more. Such as Jeremiah 31 verse 34. Where God says to his people. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Truth of the text beloved is those transgressions. God remembers no more. That doesn't mean he has no knowledge of them. We understand that the omniscient mind of God can never lose knowledge. But it means God does not hold your sins before his mind and he does not hold those sins against you. He sends them away and he releases you from that guilt. And so now, weary sinner... Beloved people of God, let that word be stamped upon your heart. You call to mind again those concrete transgressions that grieve you, that you are sorry for, that perhaps you have brought many times before the throne of grace. Here's what God has to say to you. Your transgressions are removed. I don't hold that sin against you. You don't have to suffer for it. So don't make yourself suffer for it anymore. You don't have to agonize over it. It is pardoned. It is forgiven. For the sake of Jesus Christ, you are free of that guilt. That's the first marvelous part of forgiveness. God doesn't hold our transgressions against us. But now, second, 
and flowing out of the first is this. God graciously does not see you in light of your sins. When God pardons, it means he sends your transgressions out of his sight. He sends them away so that they're not there right in front of his eyes, as it were. You can understand this again by thinking about our calling to forgive one another. When someone has sinned against you, it affects how you see that person. And this is something we can struggle with as well. After we've resolved that offense that exists between us, there's still that temptation to see that other person as the one who wronged me. The one who did that to me. The one who said that to me. But when God forgives, he removes that offense from before his eyes. He no longer sees us in light of that sin. When he looks upon you, beloved, he doesn't see rebel who sinned against me. Sinner who rebelled against me. But he sees son, daughter, washed and clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So now those transgressions that weigh upon you, that you've brought before the throne of grace this week as you examined yourself and uncovered them, those transgressions, they don't have to stay there before your eyes either. The declaration of God in the text is, my people, I've removed them. And that I have removed them means... I no longer look at you in light of them. Before my eyes, you are not defined by that sin anymore. It is covered. It is gone. It is taken away. Now my son or daughter, that transgression doesn't have to sit there before your eyes either. I've taken care of it. I've taken it away. This is your peace and joy. I remember your sins no more. I have removed them from before my eyes. They don't need to abide before your eyes any longer either. What is removed? Our transgressions are removed. But now... That leads to a second question that the believer might ask at this point. The Lord has removed my transgressions from me, but how far? How far? Something can be removed, but still be at hand. Something may be removed, but it may still be close by. Are they really gone? Are my transgressions really gone? Is my guilt really taken away? Or can it come back? Can it be found? Will I meet with it again? Here, the text drives home the gospel message in such a beautiful way by using a a spatial illustration, an illustration drawn from our experience in this world to impress upon our hearts our sins are removed from us. As far, as far as the east is from the west, 
So far hath He removed our transgressions from us. That's how far. That's how far our sins are gone. That's how far our guilt is removed. That's how far our shame is taken away. That's how far the punishment for our sin is taken away. As far as east is from west. Think about that. How far is the east from the west? It's a distance we cannot calculate. It's seemingly infinite. And that's precisely the point. It's similar to the point made in verse 11, where the psalmist describes the vastness of God's mercy such that, is, such that it is immeasurable, as high as the heaven is above the earth. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed your transgressions, believing people of God. Now some have quibbled, With this text, because the earth is a globe, travelers going east and travelers going west, yes, they will eventually meet, but that's beside the point. The text is not attempting to speak with scientific exactitude, but rather the text is making a point that fits with our experience. East and west, they're as far apart as anything can be far apart. It's a seemingly infinite distance. An illustration can help us. Imagine two space shuttles that are going to launch from different sides of the globe. In one of these space space shuttles, you sit down to take flight. And in the other space shuttle, all your transgressions are stored in the hull. And now these two space shuttles take off from their landing pads and they go on a westerly course and an easterly course through the earth's atmosphere out into the expansive void of space and they continue to course through space in one direction through the galaxy. Will they ever meet? Are they ever going to come into contact with each other? No. As far as east is from west. And that's the idea of the text here. That's how far God removes our transgressions from us. As far as east is from west. We will never meet with our transgressions again. They are taken away and they cannot be brought back. You are forever separated from the guilt of your sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that means that now you can never be separated from your God. And so this beautiful illustration drives home to us a couple of important points. That we as God's people struggling with our sin, struggling with the feeling of guilt, struggling with a disquieted conscience, we need to hear. As far as from east is from west means that our sins are removed completely. Completely. There's nothing left behind. Our transgressions, all of them, are removed as far as east is from west. God doesn't take some of them and leave others on us, leave others for us to deal with, but all our transgressions removed and removed completely. When God forgives, He forgives wholly, completely, not partially. When he wipes away that guilt, that guilt can never splash back onto you. 
And those transgressions which he removes completely. He removes irretrievably. They're irretrievable. As far as east is from west. That means God, when he forgives for the sake of Jesus Christ, he doesn't take your transgressions and put them in a folder and file them away in an archive so that they're easily easily accessible when there's a need to bring them up again. No. Irretrievable. When God pardons, when he forgives, when he applies the blood of Jesus Christ to your sins, that guilt is gone. Gone. And not even the devil himself can bring those sins up to accuse you in the final judgment. They will never be laid to your charge. As Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. As far as east is from west. How can it be? How can it be? Come and see. Taste and see. This is how it can be. The cross of Calvary, pictured here in the sign and seal of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The broken body, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the saving work of the Son of God in our flesh who came into the world to save his people from their sins. That saving work of Jesus Christ is what removes our transgressions from us. His saving work of fulfilling all righteousness. His saving work of atoning for those sins to pay the debt, to bear the just wrath of God, to deliver us from it. That yielding of himself To the death of the cross, that is what has taken all our transgressions and hurled them away from us as far as east is from west. The cross is the only thing that can make that kind of separation. The work of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can separate us from our sins as far as east is from west. On that cross, Jesus lifted that weight of your sins and he carried it and he bore it to the very end. He bore it away as far as east is from west. And for Jesus' sake, therefore, God does not hold your sins against you. Here's how it can be. God doesn't hold your sins against you because the Father held your sins against Jesus. And Jesus willingly took that guilt. Bore it for you. God doesn't see you in light of your sins anymore because he looked upon Jesus in light of your sins. And the punishment your sins deserved was poured out upon him and he willingly received it and bore it to the end that through the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood and the suffering of hell in his soul, he might take your sins and cast them away as far as east is from west. That's how it can be. So beloved, come. Come to the sacrament of Jesus' body and blood. Taste and see that your sins are removed as far as east is from west. As you see that bread broken 
There you see the visible gospel. There you see your sins removed as far as east is from west. As you watch that wine poured, there you see the cleansing agent of Jesus' blood that has wiped away your guilt. As you take that bread and wine, as you take it, as you eat it and drink it in remembrance of Him, rest assured and believe for Jesus' sake, your sins are remembered no more. Amen. Faithful God and Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this comforting word of the gospel. Press it upon our hearts, for as weary sinners we need each day to hear of Thy forgiving mercy. And having heard it, grant that we may now see it and taste it in the Lord's Supper. Amen.